has come back to the movie dojo. If you smell what Rick is cooking. <laughs> I know him too. I met him too. Nice, nice. Yeah, we I, got, I, I got some. I'll start off that way. Have you, you've, I imagine you've seen, and everybody hopefully at home has seen, uh, the uh, WWE Super Bowl Attitude commercial. Yeah, 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 I remember that. I'm in that. Oh, no way! <laughs> watch it when, uh, when uh, in, in the lobby sequence. Yeah. When, uh, mankind is up on the, on the balcony. Yeah. He says, if you look behind him, look behind the desk in the lobby. I am choking the receptionist. Oh, my goodness. I got to look it up now. That's, like, brilliant. <laughs> That was an amazing. We were just talking about Bobby Samuels. Bobby Samuels got me onto that onto that set at WWF at the time. WWF yeah. headquarters. He was one of the head stuntmen. He broke his back on that commercial. Oh no way! And I brought him to the hospital, and oh. I stayed. I stayed with him until we got the prognosis. And I'll always remember the doctor said, "You know, if you're going to break your back, you did it the best way you could." You're oh, not he, re- he was able to recover quickly. Right, right. Wow, I didn't know any of that. Wow, he broke his back during uh-huh. the uh, the um, why am I blanking on the on the on the rock sequence? The rock is walking down the hallway. Yeah, it comes through the window of the conference room. Okay, that was Bobby. Oh no way! Landed. Badly on the bottom of the uh, on the bottom because that was the actual WWF headquarters. Right, so they, right. They put in glass. They put in the candy glass, but they couldn't change the bottom of the window, which was concrete. Right, right, right. Landed on that. Oh man! But meanwhile, just before that, I was having lunch with The Rock and with you know uh, all the guys. Yeah, I'm being pretty good friends with Kane during that yeah um, you know because most of the guys who did it the rock the rock and Kane did not stay in character when they were off screen right in character but and also i got yeah there, that's me with uh Kane. yeah he's great and i was very friendly with all with um with mankind for a while yes and and i was going to write novels for the wwf we were going right. we were going to do I came up with a concept that everybody agreed with because they had a contest to see who came up with the best concept for WWF novels. The concept right. I had, which I still wanted to do a movie about, which which was the WWF were actually, unbeknownst to them, demigods from another universe. Okay. On Earth, they lose their memory of being in the demigod world. But then a gate opens up and they... And they realized, and I had all, I had it all set up. It was, and the whole books were going to be was a series of fantasy novels. Yeah, it was shot down because oh. of the same thing that shoots everything that WWF does down because 
They cannot depend on their stars to last long enough. Gotcha. Because they'll take drugs or they'll do something stupid. Right, right, right. Kicked out of the company. Ah, right. So, that sounds fascinating, though. Yeah, and even even the shortest book, even the shortest turnaround of books, I started writing the Ninja Master books when Warner Books could not publish the second book in the Ninja Master series. They deemed it unpublishable. So they had me rewrite it in three weeks, and I had to keep the cover, and I had to keep the back cover of a, a copy. Yeah. And I had to write the book to that. Right, right. So even the shortest amount of time, the turnaround on a book is at least eight months. Gotcha. You, you couldn't trust any of the WWF superstars to last in the company for eight months. Right. Well, it kind of sucks uh, that it didn't work out in a way because I remember around the Attitude Era, I remember those comic books. Those comic books were bad. Yeah. <laughs> it we was bad. We so it would have been... Or those. Going. I also did the comic book for DC of American Gladiator. Nice. That nice. also didn't work because nice. the same problem. Yeah. But also because we had it. We had. A, I'll never forget that either. I I I work on this American Gladiators comic book for months. I bring it into the editor, who I will not name, and he's sitting alone in his office with only one light on on his desk, and his feet is his feet their feet his feet are crossed up on the desk. Yeah. His are crossed. He's up on the desk. And I, I give him my pitch, and he says, I think they would work better as Martians. And I went, what? Martian gladiators? <laughs> and then I what? start saying, you know, the whole idea was to take the American gladiator concept and put it into comic book form. Yeah. I've worked in so many genres in my career. And right. I've that writing a movie is different than writing a book. That's why so much, and then writing a comic book is different than writing a book. That's why so many comic. I was friends with John Byrne for a while. I was I was practically a neighbor. I lived on the next block over from him during his Superman era. Yeah, you wanted to be a novelist in the worst way, but if you read his novel because he did get one published, you see it's a comic. It's a comic writer writing a novel. That's also. The reason I wound up writing this, because this was let's get into the screen. There this was number three in the in the Marvel. The Stanley presents. <clears throat> you know, this was the third book in the Marvel paperback series. Yeah, that's the cool. Reason, you you did Incredible Hulk. That's really awesome. Yeah, reason they had me do this is that the first two in the series were written by comic writers. They weren't books. They were gotcha. comic books put into word form, which doesn't work as a novel. So they got ah. they, they pocket and also pocket books, which published this was right. going. To, were going to do the uh, WWF novels too, so they already knew me. Gotcha, gotcha. They got me to do this because they wanted somebody who knew comics but also knew how to write novels. Right, right. So, and okay, that's pretty cool. That's a cool gig. Got to love writing for Marvel. Well, that's my whole career has been just one yeah. thing after another. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, look know, at this right here. Bam. Boom. Well, look at all that. That's the. That's a lot of the stuff I've done. You can see at the bottom. I yeah. did thirty yeah. Harry novels. I started with the Destroyer novels. Awesome. Then at the bottom on the right is my my two 
resurrected Ninja Master novels. I start again. I did the second Ninja. I rewrote the second Ninja book. Yeah, I was the only guy in that series who knew anything about Ninja <laughs> or martial arts. Not surprised about Japan. Yeah. So that's when they got me on to the Dirty Harry stuff too, because that was another one from them. So nice. then they resurrected the Ninja Master and gave me these two tetralogies, which are still my most best-selling book novels. I sold a quarter of a million copies of the Dragon of the uh, Ninja Master books. Nice. And at the end of that run, they gave me the pseudonym because there's a difference between a house name and a pseudonym. A pseudonym I come up with, a house name the publisher comes up. With. So right. Ninja Master was a house name. It came up. <laughs> the Ninja Master <laughs> was originally called Brett Wallace, and the author of the Ninja Master books were, was was Wade Barker. Huh? Like, You're having a WB issue because Warner <laughs> Books is also WB. <laughs> oh <laughs> wow! I... Officially gave me the name Wade Barker, and I've used it since. Nobody nice. Nice. Well, congrats on the the success of that book. That's awesome. Well, I, you um, know, I'm thinking about bringing it back. Do uh, it. We'll see what happens. Okay. Quest. I still have a lot of fans for uh, right the Ninja Master. In fact, one of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the movies is a huge Ninja Master fan. And every time I talk to him, Ken Scott, he keeps on going, "Bring back." And another thing that was really funny is that in in my resurrection. I changed his name from Brett Wallace to Dermo or Dottie Mo, which is Japanese, okay. which is Japanese for nobody. Oh. So when this new movie came out, Nobody, which I love, I think it's a great movie. I went. Yes. Uh huh. Hmm. Copyright. <laughs> no. Also, okay. I'm fairly well known in the uh, in the action film in Hollywood for action film. You know, I I've done the Comic Con. I. I I was the uh, consultant on Kung Fu Panda and right. I added cons I consulted on I didn't consult I consulted for Walt Disney Studios, but I didn't officially I talked to the Raya and the Last Dragon people, and now we're just waiting to see the new Minions movie, The Rise of Gru, because okay. I was I was the Kung Fu consultant on that too. So good, yeah, good. There's Kung Fu in it. At least I hope there still is. Yeah, hopefully, I yeah, hopefully, it. yeah. So a lot of these guys know me and know of my influence. And Lord knows Mulan had Chi and the Phoenix in them, both of which I advised Raya to do. Right. They probably passed it on, but they did a really bad job. So I really wish they had called Gotcha. But anyway, do you yeah. have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for, for, first of all, the, the Movie Dojo Army over here in the comments, they're saying hello. They're like, hey, what's up, Rick? How you doing, Rick? Uh, someone had a uh, Brandon here asked, uh, what are some tips on writing stories? Because he needs help. He's trying to become an author. Do you have right. any tips? Yeah, I do. I teach classes on this, but just but now I can. You know, kung fu to, for me means human achievement. So I believe everything I do is kung fu. Uh, and so, and I never. What I'm. And my point is that I never have anybody pay for my kung fu teaching because I want them to know this. So normally I have classes on how to break into books. But oh, nice! I'm going to give it to you for free. Oh, and it's, and it's really simple, and it's something that I've always told. I still tell everybody, and it's true of every entertainment genre today. 
every single one. I, I felt I was lucky when I, st I started in the early 70s because at that time I could sell a book over a lunch. I could give them less than six words and they'll go, go for it. Nice. When, when, I was, when I wanted to do my first martial art movie book, I said, I want to do a book on martial art movies. And they said, go ahead. And they were giving me, they gave me $750. And so every, for, for, during the 80s and 90s, a lot of authors or hopeful authors were going, oh, you were so lucky. My attitude now in the, in the 2010s and the 2020s is no, no, no. You guys are much luckier than I was because I still had to get permission. I still had to give the publisher those six words and they still had to agree with it. You don't even need to have that now. Right. The internet, the best writing in. I mean, all of it, everything that's huge today started yeah. you know, from Justin Bieber to Harry Potter started there. So the, the vicious thing is that a lot of people feel they can't fail now. They have to come out fresh. I say, no, you create a website, you start writing it. You're, you will make fans unless you suck. And if you suck, and if you suck, yeah. your readers will let you know. And I've God, got ah. that's the single most important thing that can ever happened to a writer. Right. Someone telling them the truth. Whenever, whenever anybody asks me for my opinion on something creative, I say, do you want approval or do you want what, I, what I've learned? Do you want me to tell you the truth or do you just want me to pat you on the head? Right. Gotcha. And a lot of them go, no, I want, I want the truth, and I'll start telling them the truth, and then they'll start defending their work, and I'll go, you don't want, you don't, yeah, want, you don't want, you don't want the truth, you want approval. So gotcha. what happened was, I was extremely lucky. Uh, I got into comic books by luck, but not really luck, because as a child, I was already, I was already, already, already writing comic books and drawing comic books when I was a kid. But my very first novel was this one. I was at college. The Destroyer was the, the, most, the second most successful action-adventure series in the history of publishing. Right, right, right. And I was at school going to, I was going to college, and my father sent me an ad in the Westport News saying, Ghost Rider wanted, no glory, lots of money. And I wrote in, I, 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 I was working on a Sinbad novel just for my own entertainment. Yeah. Because I'd already done this comic book job, the Atlas comic book series. I already done Atlas comic books. Uh, and so, um, and then that died. So then the, the editor of Atlas Comics got me involved in nonfiction writing. Do I have the, yeah, my very first nonfiction book was this, the illustrated soap opera companion. I had never seen a soap opera before writing this book. <laughs> and I wrote it because that's what the publisher wanted. And the publisher had me write movies on movies, how Hollywood sees itself. And they okay. also had me write super TV stars. And they also had me make the 1978 monster calendar. I wrote all of this. I can dig it. And it was only after that that we found out that Drake Publishers was a mon 
was a money laundering operation. <laughs> no way. Yes. Oh, my God. Should have known. All righty. Because there has not been a copy of this published that isn't, I think there's a section of it that's upside down. And they didn't bother <laughs> correcting it because yeah. they were just filling up the printing thing. Gotcha. But the, the, first, the first lesson you want to learn is whatever you do, finish. Because until you finish, you can't put it on its side and use it as a step. I never regretted writing these books, even though it was for a money laundering house. Because when I went into my next publisher and I got to do the, the nonfiction books I really wanted to do, like Murder yeah. on the Air and TV Detectives, both award winners, I could tell the publisher, yeah, I'm published. I'm gotcha. Published. Oh, so there was a benefit. Here are the here are books that I wrote. Right, right. There's a section yeah. of this upside down. But it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how I got work. So, gotcha. Two things. Right. I must have written somewhere between 7,500 and 75,000 words before <sighs> anything was bought. Man. And I did it because I loved it and I wanted to. But the thing I really wanted to do, I didn't care about being published. I cared about getting better. Gotcha. Because my audience has always been, and you could probably tell this, my my only real audience is myself. All I want to do is entertain myself. And I try to be my best critic, my best editor, and my best friend, not my worst one. Also my best boss. I want to be the best boss, not the worst boss. Gotcha. What does the worst boss do? They put you down. They insult you. What does the best boss do? Keep going, buddy. We'll get this done. We'll work this out. And so when I met Warren, so Warren Murphy had this ad saying, no glory, lots of money. Ghostwriter wanted. I answered the thing. I sent the Sinbad chapter. He called me into his home. We had a wonderful talk. And he said, I think I'm going to go with you. And I said, was it my writing sample? And he went, no, your writing sample sucked. (laughs) But your cover letter was the best cover letter I've ever read. Nice. That's what comes. You see, with the cover letter, I was entertaining myself. With the right. same chapter, I was trying to entertain someone else. I was gotcha. trying to make someone else like it. Right. So then I wrote this book, Sweet Dreams. I added science fiction and some other, and I also real martial arts into the Destroyer series. They had me write the afterword for their republication of the very first Destroyer novel, because they liked me. <laughs> and that's the other thing. Another secret, his, uh, another hit, uh, important hint. Be likable. You know, I'm Santa Claus. Be nice. Right. If you're an a-hole, you have to be a genius. Gotcha. I, you know, because nobody wants to work with you. Right. But if you're nice and you're decent, you don't have to be great. You just have to be okay. They'll want to work with you because they're dealing with a lot of people who are terrible and nasty. Right, right. So be nice. Also, the other thing, I always love it on Very Important. I always love it when I watch these reality shows. And somebody will say, I'm not here to make friends. And my reaction is, invariably, that's the one thing you should be trying to do. Mm. Because 
the stuff I'm doing now with Atlas Comics and with maybe Paramount Pictures and all the rest of it. Right. This is the very first job I ever did. This is the novel version of the first job I ever did in 1975. And the same guy who, who hired me for this or for the comics hired me for everything else. He's the one who gave me most of my books. There you go. I did in my nonfiction books, certainly. Now, right. the other most important thing was that I handed in my manuscript for this. And Warren Murphy, the awesome editor and creator, co-creator and co-writer of the series, said, the difference between you and me, kid, is I know the names of the problems. And I fell to my knees and kissed his ring. <laughs> and said, tell me the names of the problems. Because I knew this wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, but I didn't know what the I didn't know the names of the problem. Right. So constructive criticism. He, but more than constructive, mm. knowledgeable, experienced. Gotcha. This guy had been writing his entire life. He was a he was a speech writer. He was an ad writer. He had written 25, 24 of these before I got to it. Wow. He knew what he was doing. He knew the names of the problem. And he told me. And the most important thing in my Kung Fu now, I always say it's open hand, open heart, open mind. So when he told me the names of the problems, I didn't go, oh, darn it, I suck. And, oh, he sucks for telling me. And, and yeah. oh, I went, please, tell me more. Tell me more. Let me <laughs> Every single book I wanted to be better than the last Nice. Book. And the only way I could do that was by working at it, writing it, and being my best friend, editor, and boss. Nice. I have so many friends now who, who stop themselves. I always tell people the only difference between me and people who haven't done what I've done and also done better than I've done is that I allowed myself to do it, and I still do. Other people find reasons not to do it, and, oh, I stink, and, oh, this is no good. Right. Um, Afraid. But then again, everyone's afraid. We're all born knowing we're going to die. So we have a foundation of fear and frustration already. But don't make that make you sabotage yourself. Gotcha. The, high, the, the number one rule of my form of Kung Fu is treat yourself at least as well as that which you say you love the most. Treat yourself well. Treat yourself better than everybody else because you're stuck with you. <laughs> yeah. So you be a writer, write, 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 write. And also learn to love your writing, but don't love your, your, your writing blindly. Love it because it's worthy of love. When I started, my writing wasn't worthy of love. It's still not as worthy as love as I'd like it to be, but it's still worthy of like. Right. I, I remember right. somebody who was mad at me, one of my haters, said, oh, you, you know, you're a fifth-rate writer. And I went, fifth? I'm at least third-rate. <laughs> third. so, that's great. That's really good advice. Really great advice. Yeah. It's, it worked for me. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you put it up online, people will tell you the truth, learn from the truth, and just keep getting better until the publishers come to you. That's it. That's it. That's great advice for those of you out there who want to become a writer. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep trying and keep trying to improve. And Very well said, writer, Rick. If you want to be anything, it still holds up. If you want to be a musician, you want to be a filmmaker, 
you want to be an actor. It's yeah. The same advice. Don't there get it is. Nice, nice. Well, those of you that have just been coming in, uh, you missed our discussion about uh, Rick choking somebody in the background during a WWF Super Bowl commercial, which is amazing, and I have to go back and watch it now. <laughs> oh man, I, I got I gotta go watch that <laughs> later tonight. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I think I think WWF at the time missed out on something special and should have uh, continued to work with you. But at least. You got the experience of being there. You met Kane and The Rock and all those awesome people. I'm still friendly with them, you know. Yeah. And, and I still met them. But my dad never stayed at a job more than seven years because he said, if you're not doing it well by seven years, you're never going to do it well. Well, that's good advice. Well, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. And also, so, and also I wanted to escape. You know, my father was awesome, except he kept marrying mentally ill women. And I and I had to survive them, so I would right. escape, I would escape through comics and television and movies and books. Yep. And I never said I couldn't do any of those things, so I wound up doing all of them. Nice. And that's why I still love this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why also I I want to do one I, I want to do one of everything. I want to be like my idol Donald Weston. I want to do one of everything. Nice. And I've done pretty well. If you look at, you know, yeah. my novels, my novels are in many different genres: war, mm-hmm. science fiction, horror, thrillers, uh, comics. My nonfiction has been on a variety of genres. Although I don't do, I haven't done any non-media nonfiction book. In other words, hmm. I mean, okay. I should have done. I should have done one on pinball. Should, there's a lot of different ones that I could have done, and I may do them in the future. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's never too late, right? <laughs> I did write a book on my martial arts or on my kung fu. It's never too right. late. That's right, it's thing. never too late. Uh, but those of you, again, uh, thanks again for coming in here, hanging out uh, with the one and only Rick Myers and Samurai. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight and liking the video. We appreciate it. And, uh, yes, we're, uh, we're going to get to that in a, in a second here. But those of you that have just dropped in, uh, we got some fun Rick facts here. Uh, I, I knew about you dressing up as Santa to visit, uh, children's hospital, you know, the children's hospitals to visit the kids, which is great. I don't dress up as Santa. That's right. You go as yourself. That's right. Oh, I become Santa. That's right. You become Santa. There you go. What I learned from that. Yeah. But that was, that was really, that was really a fun fact. Fake Santa. (laughs) But, but this one right here. I did not know that uh, just for fun, once in a while, you played the king at Medieval Times Dinner and Tournament. Again, not for fun. Not for fun? <laughs> no, what happened was that I wrote three horror novels. Okay. I got one of them. Oh, yeah. I wrote a trilogy of horror novels. This is one of them, Living Hell. Okay. Um, and they were supposed to be published at a certain time. They weren't. They delayed them by about, I think, 16 months, a year and a half. That's not 16 months. Uh, 12 plus uh, 18 months. Yeah. And I had my, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not about the money. I'm not in it for the money. I'm in for the fun and the experience. I want to make just enough money, but I, so I can pay for my fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, makes sense. So when they delayed that trilogy, I didn't have any money coming in. I was expecting the money to be coming in. And I had a year and a half, so I said, all right, what, what can I do? And I said, well, listen, I went to school for acting. 
maybe I'll do my acting career because I had all these friends in acting. Yeah. I, I had a friend who was a photographer for a resume and I got my resume shot and I put up my, I put together my resume and everything else. And then I, at that time, there were a couple of magazines that came out every week or, um, backstage and I think something else, which has, which had all the uh, auditions listed. Okay. And I went to a bunch of auditions. I got so close to working at the Japanese, the Tokyo Disneyland. Oh, I that would have been awesome. Three times. And ultimately, I didn't get the job because they said, although we love you, if we need an old man with a beard, we'll just get one of our young guys to do it. <laughs> but you, you can only play you. Right, right, right. But then there was, there was an ad in Variety for an audition at Medieval Times. There you go. And I answered the ad. It was in New Jersey. It was the New, there's like seven or eight or nine castles around the country. I have to find out if we're still a living after this COVID situation. And I auditioned, and they said, six weeks, you go on. Nice. And... It was, and also, I got to be king. That's I what I'm saying. Like, I, I did not know that. And I was like, wow. It's great to be king, man. Because, you know, <laughs> Good they to be the king. Every, they feed you every show. Right. And, I'm riding, and they taught me how to ride. They didn't teach me how to ride a horse. They were supposed to teach me how to ride a horse. But they didn't. So we were three days away from my opening night, my first appearance as the king. Yeah. And the head of the, the horse master... <laughs> Put, said, put me on a horse. He said, this is Diablo. If you can stay on him, if you can stay on him for 45 minutes. Sounds safe. You can ride. Yeah. So I had to stay on Diablo for 45 minutes. Oh, my God. And Diablo did not want me on his back. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but by then, my niece had taught me, because she was a writer, she had taught okay. me the two secrets, which was, it's all in the thighs, Uncle Rick. It's all in the thighs. But also I had learned because we had all at the New Jersey medieval times, the horses are all in the back. They don't, yeah. they're not in a field. So I got to meet all the horses. We came and I learned how to put you know, saddles on them and all the rest. Yes. Yeah. They're just like people. They have mm-hmm. personalities. They're all different. Diablo did not want me on my back. On back. <laughs> my horse, Prince, tolerated me on his back. But Diablo did not want me there. And I I sympathized with him. I empathized with him. I commiserated with him. And I tried to put those energies through my body into Diablo going, buddy, if you were on my back, I wouldn't want you on my back either. <laughs> and I tried to get you off. But thankfully, Diablo had been taught not to kill anyone. Oh, that's a, that's a good thing. Because I think so. <laughs> Because if he had, because if he had really wanted me off his back, he could have gotten me off his back. Oh, really easily. Instead, he tested. Me. Right. He tried to trick me, but it was all in the thighs, and it was nice. Thighs, and it was, and whenever I, and I always had my hand on him, and I would just pump out energy, you know, Santa energy onto him. Nice. So I was there for a year and a half, and I loved it, and I'd still be here today, there today, if they hadn't. If if the commute wasn't such a bitch, it killed one right. of my cars. Do, do you have a photo? Maybe you can send it to me later, just for fun, or oh, show it to me because I would yeah. love to. I would I've love got to. a lot of photos. So you had to do the whole 
medieval time. You do all that. I was the king, so I didn't None. have to do a lot of that. But I was okay. there getting to the end. As a matter okay, of fact, nice. Since we're on the thing, I have I have some pictures. Over sure, here. I'll just sure. get a picture. Yeah. <laughs> I can continue to talk though. Yeah. I think where's the pictures? Are these all the Santa pictures, or are these the medieval times pictures? Oh yeah, these are medieval times pictures. What's going on, chat? Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, Rick Myers is the king at medieval times. What has what has Rick not done yet? <laughs> well, that's okay. it. I also have this was when I was selling TV detectives. I was on the Today Show. There I am on the Today Show. Nice, nice. I oh yeah. The number of things I've done. I wrote two of the stories for this Star Trek record album. Record was that like just audio episodes or something, yeah. or was it music? Audio episodes. Oh, okay. All right. That's vintage right there. It's super vintage. And I got to do that. And I also worked on William Shatner's most recent novel. Um, oh, nice. I work around. Anyway, so medieval times, right? Okay, I got to see this. Okay, that, there's not a picture in that. That's just oh. a frame. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, dear, my, my, uh, my <laughs> That's my events manager, Renee Witterstatter, the ex- Editor of She-Hulk at Marvel Comics. Oh, nice! And we Look at that. The, we did the Jackie Chan comic book together. Oh, cool! Jackie Look. Chan, Bart next, the Armor of Heaven. We did Look. that together. Styling and profiling, you're rocking it right there. <laughs> they thought my head was too big to fit any of the crowns, so they had to order a special crown just for me. <laughs> I thought my head was big. Well, it is big. Yes, and I my biggest regret was not. When I left the company, not to take that crown with me. Oh. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Awesome anyway, fun fact. Uh, but after- yeah, for again, for those who are just popping in, uh, we got Rick Myers with us tonight hanging out in the movie dojo. Uh, it's always great having him here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of honors, I mean, you've been inducted into the World Martial Arts Hall of Fame, the Worldwide Martial Arts Hall of Fame, the Budo Magazine Hall of Fame. Uh, Action Martial Arts Magazine Hall of Fame and received an Edgar Allan Poe Special Award by the Mystery Writers of America. I was like, man. You read my Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. That's what you did. Just tell you, you know, just go look at my Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> Somebody put up a better photo of me. I don't like that photo. Hey, if I'm reading anything and it's wrong, let me know. We can correct it here. But... No, that's all fine. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not up to date. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, I, I wanted to at least let chat and let people know that you just got here all your the awards you've won, which is pretty pretty amazing. I, I what, one of my favorite things to do was when there was a period of time when I would go to uh, martial art tournaments, and I I I wanted to bring. I have a lot, a lot of martial art medals, a lot of them, and I have a lot of martial art trophies. And I wanted to have a huge collection of martial art trophies and medals that I did not earn. <laughs> I wanted to find the way to do it. Yeah. So I didn't have to fight anybody because I'm not about fighting. Right, I mean, right. That's what we did in Kung Fu Panda. It was like the, the highest form of Kung Fu is not to fight. Yeah. So I wanted to go to these martial art tournaments, which always made me laugh, and, and get awards or not fighting. <laughs> yeah. So I figured out how to do it. So I have this huge collection. Well, first of all, I accomplished a lot of stuff. 
you know, I, I promote, that's basically my whole career has been sharing my love of stuff with other right. people. Right. Whatever I love, I'll write another book about it or mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do a documentary about it or whatever. Yeah. But that's the same thing with martial arts. Well, that's not true. I'm, I'm not, I don't love martial arts because martial arts is all about fighting. I yeah. love Kung Fu, but right. it's not about fighting. Right. So it's almost like uh, that line from Enter the Dragon when that guy was messing with Bruce Lee. What's your style? My style? You can call it the art of fighting without fighting. You know? There you go. Always right. Be water, my friend. Always right. Yeah. Uh, I think Jesus and Bruce are my two favorite quotes. Nothing they ever said in teaching was incorrect. Right. The thing I always follow with Bruce is, Learn everything you can from everyone and everything you can, then make it your own. Yes. That's true yes. of writing, too, by the way, and acting and everything else that you have to remember, which is make it your own. You're selling yourself. Don't try to write like everybody. Steal from Isaac Asimov, one of the greatest science fiction writers of all time, who loved my now ex-wife. Um, I don't th- if, if Isaac was still alive and I went up to him and said, hi, Isaac, he said, who are you? But if my wife was with me, he'd go, oh, hi, Melissa. That's Isaac was quite the ladies' man. But he once told me, we all steal, steal from the best. So when you read other people's books, if you like something they do, try to see if you can do it. But always make it your own because that's what you're selling. The difference between your book and somebody else's book is you, your perception, your insight, and all the rest of it. I agree. I agree with that. Um, But before, uh, I mean, it's really good you've given us this backstory, how you got into becoming a writer and all that. But I want to know, when you first started to watch martial arts films and what movies got you into the martial arts world, and then that's it. You could take it from there. And uh, But before before you do that, before you do that, i got to let chat know how I discovered you. And uh, martial arts theater DVDs and a lot of Tai Sing DVDs, I bought, I bought what I could. And... Uh, you know, thanks to you, you know, gents like you championing these movies and trying to get get over here to the West, man. You know what I mean? So, you know, props to you for doing that. I, I, we wouldn't have Will Go USAs over here, you know, movies released over here. And, and just using those as, as an example, if you weren't the ones in the early days championing, bringing these genres and, over, you know, over here. So, you know. I'm honest. I am the American guy. I mean, there were, other, there were British guys who were first. Yeah, I was the American guy, and one of my greatest experiences when we were having a big party for Chalian Fat in New York, a bunch of Chalian Fat, his producer, and a bunch of producers in Hong Kong were sitting around in, in the cellar of the movie theater while the Chalian Fat movie was going on over our heads, and they played a a game of Six Degrees of Me. Okay, which basically they said. Whatever accomplishments that have happened for the Hong Kong, the Hong Kong cinema in America, we can trace it back to something you did in, in, a, in less than six minutes. And I went, really? And they, went, <laughs> and they started doing it. Yeah. They started doing it. So I was like, that's Rim Films, who were one of the guys there. That's why they gave me that wonderful quote that I've used ever since. One of, you know, I'm one of the people most important in, in the success of, of Kung Fu films and Kung Fu stars in America. Right. And that's, that's what I did with Jackie Chan. 
because Jackie Chan was being sold in America as just another Bruce Lee or just another Clint Eastwood, and it drove, right. it drove me crazy. And it wasn't until I turned Jonathan Ross on to Jackie's Hong Kong films, not The Protector, right. not, you know, not The Cannonball Run, that yeah. then Jonathan went and did Son of the Incredibly Strange Film Show episode on Jackie Chan, which taught the world, the English-speaking world, what, what Jackie, who Jackie was. And yeah. Jackie always, we kowtow to each other. Nice, um, nice. But yeah, the, you know, the martial arts theater DVDs first came out, I was buying all of them. <laughs> and not all the movies were good, but there were some, there were some really good ones in there. But some of them had your audio commentary on there. And I was like, Who, who's Rick Myers? Who's this guy? So I was listen. I watched the movie and I watch, I watch it again with your, with your commentary. And I was learning so much and was so fascinating that it got to the point where I was only buying martial arts theater movies just to hear your commentary. <laughs> it got to that point. I didn't even care what the movie was. I didn't even care what the movie was. Oh, Rick Myers commentary. Okay. I'm going to buy it. Cause I'm, it's, you know, I was new to this stuff. You know, I was learning as I go and you help open the doors as well as this. I still have the original, baby. Oh, well, yeah. Now you have the new one. You don't have the original. Oh, oh, oh. Which one? The original but, is this one. Oh, okay. This was 1985. Well, this, That's 1985. Yeah, this is 1985. That's too Nice. Nice. But I had to get what I can get over here, so... <laughs> But yeah, this was a huge introduction to your world and really helped educate me in martial arts movies. I was just, I learned so much from this book. Great martial arts movies from Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan and more. But yeah, I, you know, I've had this for years. You know, and I'll sign it eventually. Oh, sure, I, I would love that. Yeah, hold up the cover again. Oh, okay. See that picture of Michelle Yeoh next to his finger? Yeah. It was supposed yeah. to be Jean-Claude Van Damme, and I refused to allow them to put it on. <laughs> I said, no Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, no, no JCVD, gotcha. Oh, yeah. How, however, I, and I highly recommend the movie Dojo Army does the same, I have upgraded. Yeah, now you That's right, Samurai representing Badassity. I have bought the newest book. I have not read it yet. Uh, I heard great things. Films of Fury, the Kung Fu movie book. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, jump into this this and upgrade here. If you're a member of showing Am- support, if you're a member of Amazon Prime, you can watch Films of Fury: The Kung Fu Movie movie on Amazon Prime for free. The there you go. Version of the book. The book is yes, the book is yes. This this uh, right here, bam. There you go. On Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free, and I also highly recommend the movie Dojo Army. Check out the documentary. Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks, which is really good. And you have some great insight on here as well. And it was great seeing Bobby on here as well. Oh, I got yeah. him for that. I got him the interview for that. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, said, they said, who, who else should we interview? I said, Bobby yeah. Samuel, yeah. And I, what I really liked about this documentary was its length. I'm tired of documentaries coming out and they're, they're you know, well put together and they're they're well done but they're like an hour i'm like no come on you know what is this you know like there was a there's a recent uh documentary came out it's like the search for the action heroes and it was all like the classic action i like that one i like that one but it was too short to me it was just like oh it's done 
thought yeah, it was too short. Another one of the '80s ones, which was two and a half hours long. Yeah. Also yeah, that's right. But this one was very lengthy. It covered pretty much a lot of every, you know, of everything. So I really well, enjoyed this one. The screenwriter of that is is. I just finished proofreading the book version. His book version is coming out. Very oh. Soon. And it's okay. Really, it's again better than the movie. It figures. That's not <laughs> nice. Yeah, but I really enjoyed that. So, chat, make sure you check that out as well. All right, now it's time for you to. I just, I'm curious, what first martial arts movies you've seen, any yeah. genre, but and what got you into on, it? I want to forget to mention. Oh, go for it. On Thursday's episode of Versus, you're going to have a guy on named Frank Jeng, and Frank Jeng was the head of Tai Sang English Language Division. He's the one who got me into those. Audio commentary. Oh, nice. And he also, and my best commentaries are the ones also with him, and he's still doing commentaries. Nice. Doing them for, for Eureka and 88 films in England. And he is awesome, and he'll be on Thursday. And he yes. Is, don't miss Thursday's episode of Versus. Movie Dojo now. Army, do not miss Thursday's episode of Versus. We might as well segue it here right now. 6 p.m. Pacific time, Rick, Frank, Jang, and uh, awesome other guests as usual. But we are doing, I never thought to put these together. Rick, this was Rick's idea, and I love it. And I love it because it's extremely difficult for me because <laughs> I love both movies. But those make the best versus episodes. Here we go. We're going to have Police Story versus Project A, baby, this Thursday on Versus. And if I was going to make, right now, if I was, Rick says, Samurai, make a top five Jackie Chan movie list. These two would be in the top five. Has to be. Yeah, we'll be talking so, about that on Thursday. Yes, yes. All right. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, yeah. To answer your question, I start in my magazine period because okay. after cool. comics, after the, I, there were several. Atlas Comics also had a bunch of magazines that I worked on, including Moody Monsters, and so I segued into assistant editing magazines. Armchair Detective, Millimeter Magazine, others. And then Star Wars came out. And I was so thrilled. It was so exciting. It was so great. I'm walking by the magazine rack, and there's an issue, issue seven of Starlog Magazine. And it's got Star Wars on the cover. And I went, <gasps> and I did what I always do, which is I looked in the front of the magazine for the address of the magazine editorial offices. It was in New York. So I walked in with my other magazines under my arm and my books. And the books that I had written up to that time, because at that time I had also written books on science fiction movies. And I had also written books on fantasy film. There we go. With my wonderful picture on the back with me and Ray Harryhausen, the world of fantasy film. And nice. I got these books because of Jeff Rogan, the editor of Atlas Comics. So again, make friends and be, <laughs> and be nice. So in any case, so I went to Starlog and said, I'd love to work for you. And they gave me an audition piece. They had me write Werner Von Braun's obituary. And I came in the next day with it. And the publisher gave me one of the best compliments I'd ever had, which he, this was an obituary. Werner Von Braun, and the publisher said he brought him back to life. Wow. 
they made me assistant editor of the entire line. So in any case, I do I did uh, I did Starlog for and Fangoria. I was the first head writer for Fangoria, and they offered me the editorship of Fangoria if I stayed. Awesome, that's awesome. But I don't like slasher movies. As a matter of fact, my horror books, my horror trilogy, was about me writing slasher movies. In any case, so I'm working for Starlog, and through whatever, I became their number one correspondent for the Superman movie in 1978 with Christopher Reeve. Okay. Directed by Richard Donner. I'm on the set of Superman for three weeks. And I, I was there for the entire Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor, underground Grand Central Station sequences. And it was just, I, then I also got to meet Christopher Lee and Coburn and all these other people. Awesome. I was at Pinewood Studios. I'm on the 007 set. I wandered on. I had full run of the entire studio. I wander onto a set, and there's this gigantic set with all these strange eggs on them, with this ship that looked like a vagina on its side. <laughs> and I went, "What is this?" And they said, "Oh, this is a Ridley Scott movie. I think it's called Alien." Oh. And I wind up doing the official tie-in magazine for Alien, so it's a small world. Oh, but that's this awesome. Led to what happened was. I was so thrilled. This whole thing, when I was on the set of Superman, Peter Boyle was playing Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor's assistant. And when I right. went to the movie, and I became very good friends with Christopher Reeve. I was in Christopher Reeve's apartment in New York the week before Superman opened. And I'm sitting there with him and going, you know, this is the last time we're ever going to see each other, right? <laughs> and he went, oh, no. It, you know, no matter how well or badly the movie does, it won't change. It's the last time I saw it. So, because <laughs> I'm still friends with some of the crew members, though. But in any nice. case, I went to see the movie, and suddenly Peter Boyle's not in the movie, and Ned Beatty's in the movie, and he's playing a jerk. He's playing a right. total right. hole. By right. the way, do we, have a, do we have an end for this? Do we have to stop at a certain time? No, no. Anyway, so I was so upset by that because the whole idea is Superman was going to be the first comic book movie that took the subject seriously. But suddenly in comes Ned Beatty. And again, my father worked in the mental health field. So I've grown up along with the mentally retarded and the mentally handicapped and yeah. the mentally ill. So I know the entire spectrum of, of that sort of thing. Ned Beatty does not exist. There is no person huh. in, the, in the Superman movie does not exist as an actual human being. Nobody acts like him. No one. <laughs> Mr. So Luthor. I, yeah, I'm just so pissed at this. Because it ruined the movie for me. I didn't want it to be campy like the Batman show. Right, right. So where do I go after seeing, you know, I couldn't go to D.C., you know, because uh, I, I was so mad. <laughs> but I had made friends throughout the comic book industry while at my, during my time at Atlas Comics. And I had contributed, you know, I worked on... I was, if, if you go to the, the 50th anniversary of Detective Comics, the issue where Bane actually breaks Batman's back, you'll see I have an entire page with my name on it. Oh, nice. So I, I know the guy. So everybody knew yeah. me. So yeah. I went, I was complaining to everybody I met. I was being complaining to people on the street. But I go to Marvel Comics because I had a bunch of friends at Marvel Comics. 
And I go up to the offices of my buddy, because Larry Hama. We gave Larry Hama a huge break with Atlas Comics. Larry did a bunch of stuff for us at Atlas, and that, and that got him basically, he could probably correct me if I'm incorrect about this, but I believe that got him his job at Marvel. So he was an editor, writer, artist at Marvel. And I'm in his office, and I am complaining bitterly. And I said, when will Hollywood take comic books seriously? Yeah. Follow me. We got up. We left the building. We went downtown. We went to Bleecker Street in Greenwich Village. And there was a theater there called the Bleecker Street Cinema. And they were showing a double feature of Lightning Swords of Death and Baby Cart in the Land of Demons. I liked Lightning Swords of Death. Lightning Swords mm-hmm. of Death was an Americanization. Right. Of, I think Baby Cart to Haiti, which I think was the third. Right, 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 right. I also did an audio commentary for a box set of Shogun Assassin movies. I do that as a book. Um, and I was like impressed. But Baby Cart in the Land of Demons, subtitles, widescreen, perfect print, uncut, unedited. I was just like. <sighs> Oh my God, that was a comic book come to life. And in fact, yeah. that's exactly what it was. I didn't realize at that time I wasn't making connection between anime and yeah. samurai. Based off the manga, yeah. Yeah, it's based off the manga. Yeah. And, Larry, and we saw, so we saw three hours worth of movie. And I was just like, my life has changed. And Larry goes, We're not done. He takes me, literally, this is all happening on one day. Larry takes me down to Chinatown. Where there in New York, Manhattan, where there were six movie movie theaters that only showed Hong Kong films, six six different double features every week. I wish we had that now. That'd be great. <laughs> we don't have the product anymore. I know. I know. Product. I know. And Elgo is trying to do that, and so is Haya, the streaming service. Right. But be that as it, and also Amazon Prime has a lot of the Shaw Brothers stuff. But he brought me down to Canal Street Cinema, where they were having a double feature of Boxer, which was an older Kung Fu film, and the New York premiere of Drunken Monkey in a Tiger's Eye, which is like a master. Yeah. And if my jaw dropped for Baby Cart in the Land of Demons, my eyes, I went full Tex Avery for... Drunken Master. That was a comic book come to life. And he did all his own stunts. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between martial arts and kung fu. Kung fu is acrobatic awesomeness using the human body, while samurai stuff is a discipline. Yeah. Everybody has to play fair. Kung fu, all bets are off. Right. (laughs) I went, went, again, my jaw dropped, my eyes bulged out, my head exploded, and I took... I went to my publisher of my TV detectives book, which had won. This was like the only award-winning book they had ever published. Okay. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of uh, pull with that company. And I walked in and said, I want to do a, a book on these movies, on martial art movies, on samurai movies. And they said, here's $750. Go ahead. Nice. And that led to me discovering 
Where do I have it here? No, I have this tomorrow. The, pl- the plethora. Black Belt Theater, World Northall, which was putting these Kung Fu movies out on television. Mm-hmm. And uh, not Tai Seng. Tai Seng wasn't around yet. World uh, um, Ocean Shores. Okay. Ocean Shores Cinema. They were the first ones to get VHS tapes into video stores of actual Hong Kong Kung Fu movies. And, every t- and I would just, anything I could do for them, I would do. And when the book came out, it helped because they would buy hundreds of copies of the book. Of that first one I showed you, the one that came out in 85. And, yeah. And sent it to all the stations, sent it to all the video stores. So they said, we really would love to do something for you, but we really can't pay you because we're still struggling. And I said, well, send me to Hong Kong. So they did. That's it. And they introduced me to everybody. And there we went. So that was a different, that was the second part of my career. That was like, right. I had right. seen I had seen all the Bruce Lee films. I had seen right. the Five Fingers of Death. They did right. not because again they were about hurting other people and being hurt. Jackie Chan was all about not fighting <laughs> and not letting. You know, I learned from Jackie Chan that kung fu is not about getting hit; it's about not getting hit. Right. It's about avoiding the other guys hitting you, and that made all the difference. And then you know. La Kao Young, 36 yes. Chambers of oh, Classics. Long, and all these, and Samuel Hung, and I got to meet them all, and I got to, you know, and the thing that, the big difference was that I understood that they were baseball, so I didn't ask them football questions. I understood they were dim sum, so I didn't ask them sushi questions. I understood in my, I, I know I got better, again, that's the other thing I tell all you hopeful, you know, creative people, get better. Invest in getting better. That's the only thing you should want to have happen because right. then people will come <clears> to <throat> you and you yeah. won't stop and keep happening. So when I got to Hong Kong, the reason they liked Mo Guailo, which is the name I gave myself, which is <laughs> Harry <Ford and> Devil. <laughs> um, first of all, they had never seen an American like me. I was at Jackie Chan's 32nd birthday when we were making the Incredibly Strange Film Show. And I was talking to Melvin Wong, the villain in uh, Righting Wrongs, the Yun Biao, Cynthia Rothrock movie. Yeah. And I was telling him how great he was. That's a good movie. Yeah, and he looked at me and went, you like this shit? Yeah. And I went, I completely understand. To you guys, everybody's saying, oh, Kurosawa and all the rest of it. Right. But no, this stuff is incredibly vital. It's really comic books. And I discovered then that Wu Sha, which is what Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is. Right. It's yeah. really like the ancient Chinese version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. They have individual costumes, they have individual powers, they have, they have comic book names, mm-hmm. you know, Silver Phoenix, things like that. Yeah. So, I'm, so you know, it's hilarious because I've been trying to get. Ever, for my entire career, I've been trying to get Hong Kong to respect and appreciate their own incredible stuff, and they don't. I tried to get them when I was with Emperor Movie Group in 2001. I tried to get, I, I did a whole lecture about marketing and commercializing. Yeah. Creating <clears throat> a world of Hong Kong Kung Fu characters. The Shaolin monk, the drunken master. You know, right. 
whole yeah. world and the whole universe in a, in a temp. Nope. Nope. They're not going to do it. They still right. don't. You know, they let the Japanese make the toys. The only, the only toys I had, I have some hopping vampire toys. But not, <laughs> because, but not because Hong Kong made them, but because yeah. Japan made them. Oh, wow. And them. And, wow. And ever since the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been getting better, yeah. again, I've been telling the Chinese filmmakers, you guys can do this. They don't want to. They don't right. Want to. And now it's right. too late. Because China has taken over, and China doesn't like Kung Fu. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, oh, hold hold that thought before you keep going because you're on a roll. Uh, I'm always on a roll. You just, you just reminded me uh, that me. that person that told you you actually yeah. like this. Yeah. No. That exact same thing happened to me, and yeah. I I was showing uh, uh, someone a fight scene from one of my favorite. It might be one of my. It might be my favorite kung fu movie of all time. It might be by default. Like if I have to just think right now, because there's so many, it's hard. <laughs> but like, okay, go. And that's an eight diagram pole fighter. And I showed, I showed the, I showed the end fight sequence, which is insane. Like when you watch one, when you watch a fight se- sequence like that, you're like, they don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore because it's just like when you watch it, it's like how long did it take them <laughs> to do this? Because it's so long. amazing. I know, right? You think it, you think it'd be long, but to them, they're professionals. But I showed them the fight scene, and that person said to me. You actually like this stuff, and I broke that person's neck and buried the body in the back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we cannot be friends. But uh, really quick, Crouching Tiger story. Crouching Tiger story. So uh, the Wuxia genre to me uh, it was nothing new when that movie came out. I was right. I was a little bit more educated by the time that movie came out. Uh, saw it in theater, enjoyed it. I really I, I enjoyed it. Right. However, um. The opening end fight sequence, I mean, the opening sequence where the first big fight between Michelle Yeoh and Zhang Ziyi, and they're jumping off the rooftops, and then they're going at it. When they stopped fighting, and the drums stopped, the music stopped with them, the audience cheered and clapped. And I can't remember the last time, being an American audience, watching a martial arts film in a mainstream theater, I can't remember the last time that actually happened. And... And one more thing, one more, one more thing. This made me laugh. This is going to make you laugh. This is going to make you laugh. Half, we're like, <laughs> 45 minutes have gone by, right? And yeah. the, two, the couple in front of me said this. The, the lady leaned over to the guy, and she said, oh, man, I'm really enjoying this movie. It's so good. But they haven't explained how they can fly yet. <laughs> yep. I was like, oh. I'm not even going to answer that question. You know why that movie is an international success in the English-speaking world? Because Ang Lee does something that no one else has ever done in Wuxia, which is connect the, the powers to their emotions. As I said to him, it was amazing. Me and Jeff Yang did the audio commentary for the American release of the DVD of Duncan Bastard. Right. Immediately after, Ang Lee did the audio commentary for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So we got to watch the movie with him and then talk oh, about that. Awesome. And I said to him, their bodies are doing what their hearts cannot. And he goes, right? Yeah. And that's very true. But the other the other thing about um, La Young, actually, this one of, was not the point I was going to make. I was going to make an extremely important, angry point. But now I've forgotten because I, I got distracted by another one of my little... <laughs> <laughs> 
know, of meeting Ang Lee. Um, yeah, the, um, yeah, anyway, let's go on. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, well, so, yeah, oh, oh, really quick before you move on here, uh, I love this photo and what's going on here. Well, during the filming <laughs> of the incredibly strange film show, uh, the episode on Jackie Chan, we yeah. were on the set of Mr. Canton and Lady Rose, otherwise known as Miracle. Underrated movie. Uh, well, not really. No? <laughs> not really. I really, I thought it was really good. It is really good, but it's not, it doesn't compare to his preview. Well, he was I just doing, don't, I don't hear people talk about it. Well, there's a reason uh, for that. Oh, First of all, okay. make a pocket full of miracles. And although the fights are exceptional, but comedy is not. Mm. Okay. It's, you know, he was trying to, he was trying to make people impressed by his filmmaking. And I'm going, Jackie, <laughs> who do you love? Who are your idols, Jackie? <laughs> Jackie's idols are Gene Kelly. Right. I actually said this to, to him after a premiere. Um, Gotta dance. Kelly and Buster Keaton. I said, right. okay, Jackie, you love Gene Kelly, right? And you respect Gene Kelly. And you go to a Gene Kelly movie. How would you feel if at the end of the movie, <laughs> Gene Kelly doesn't do an amazing dance sequence, he just sings a song with no dance? How would you feel? Gotcha. And I said to him, Jackie, you're the only Jackie there is. I mean, Jet Li might be the Fred Astaire. Bruce Lee might be, you know, I'm not sure who, which dancer he is. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember another. Cha-cha. Event. He'd be the cha-cha. Yeah. Yeah. It's also very aggressive. Both Jet Li and Jackie Chan weren't yeah. suppressive. Matter of fact, Locke, right. the director of Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, said... The one problem, because he worked with Jackie uh, Bruce Lee. He worked with Bruce Lee when they were both kids. And Bruce was in all those movies as a young man. He right. said, Bruce is into the hurting. Bruce is into hurting himself and hurting other people. And, and the anger and the aggression. And if you watch Locke Hall Young's movies, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. And Eight Diagram Pole Fighter it turned out the way it did because Fu Shang died. Yeah, that's so, so sad. So vicious and violent at the end. Yeah, Wu Sheng not die. Right. Yeah, that's that sad. Die. That's unfortunate. But I love, I love that. I love his movies. Alexander's great. Alexander's great. La Caleon is still my favorite uh, kung fu filmmaker. It's so but good. It doesn't take them so long because remember, at the end, he's working with people who know what they're doing. Right. Uh, and and what this this, this is what happened. Um, I wrote the book. I wrote these two books on martial art movies before I did the kung fu. And then I realized when Inside Kung Fu Magazine, where I'd, I'd become an editor by then, I'd become an entertainment editor for Inside Kung Fu Magazine, so I got to meet every, even more people. They sent me to Taiwan to meet all the Kung Fu guys in town. And I realized, and the, the Kung Fu in Taiwan is pure. The Kung Fu in China is not. The Kung Fu in China is, as I, as I say about the Chinese food in China, you can taste the chef's tears, and in in the kung fu, it's it's hurt. The government controls it. The Shaolin Temple was burned down four times, every time by the government, because having Chinese with open minds, which is what kung fu does if it's taught correctly and well, is not something the Chinese government needs or wants. So, in any case. They shut down that kind of stuff. And 
La Yong, I realized when I went to Taiwan and meeting all these pure guys who were teaching it with no government interference or control, that I was like a Chinese writer who had written award-winning books on baseball movies without knowing the rules of baseball. He just knew that they ran around and they threw balls and they right. balls and they yeah. looked great. And the movies were really good and fun and interesting. Yeah. And that's the way I felt. I was going, I'm reacting to something. And another thing that I would tell the people at your screening is that, and this is something I said in my, my original book, is that kung fu movies are a combination of the physicality of ballet and the emotions of opera. If you think opera and ballet are classic, you know, culture, classical culture with a capital C, so is Kung Fu. Yeah. Understand what they're doing, which is a combination of you know, operatic emotions and the balletic movements. I realized that, but I didn't realize what I was watching. So I had to go back and I had to learn Kung Fu. And I tried. It's very difficult in America at that time because they were calling things Kung Fu and they still do. You know, watch the stupid WB television show Kung Fu. <laughs> the most recent one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I, saw the, I saw the trailer and I was like, I saw all I needed to see. Yeah, Chop, chop Saki Sui. Yeah. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's very unfortunate and they don't understand what Kung Fu is, but I needed to understand what Kung Fu is. And that's why it's important to read Films of Theory that come from the book, because I wrote that book after I had taken 20 years of right. from some of the... I mean, I know at least a thousand martial art teachers, and I like six. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but yeah, going back to your talking about Lockhart Leung, uh, you knew what did, he, did he make a bad movie? I can't yes. think of one. Oh. But, he, but he's very much like Marvel movies now. Okay. People are criticizing uh, Captain America, Captain America, and the Night Soldier, and the Winter Soldier. Uh-huh. Some people are criticizing that because the only thing you really can compare it to, if you compare Falcon and the Winter Soldier to Batman v Superman, and right. Man of Steel, it's going to look great. But right. people are comparing it to the last thing Marvel did. It's like Stephen Chow. You right. Re- you review his new movies on the basis of his previous movies. So okay. the same thing with Chow Yun Fat. After Wu Shang died, just like Jackie Chan getting hurt, his films changed after he got hurt on Armor of God. Right. Akal Young's movies changed after Wu Shang died. Yeah. So he did things like Cat versus Rat, and uh, what was that? Um, there was a couple of. It was. Well, I mean by bad, I mean like puke, like <laughs> garbage. No. I mean, That's what I meant. Three was very disappointing. Okay, I kind of remember not liking that one that much, but I don't remember hating it. it. wasn't as good. It wasn't as good as it could have been. But by yeah. then, yeah, he had done. He had done up until Full uh, Fighter. Everything was just like boom. I mean, yeah. just boom. Heroes so, of the East. Uh, yeah. Leg- I just rewatched Legendary Weapons of China and that end duel. Between with brothers. Using, yeah, with his brother. Oh, my. It's just, it's but insane. It was his real brother playing his movie. Brother. Yeah, right, right. But uh, Marshall Club, the fight at the end of Marshall Club, is so it Wang Lung? Is it Wang Lung Wei? Is, it, is that his name? I, I, I don't, 
Okay. Versus Gordon. Him and with uh, the guy who plays the film. Versus Gordon Liu in that alleyway. Uh-huh. And the, the the longer they went, the shorter the alleyway was. So they had to improvise. Oh, my God. That's one of the best fight scenes I've ever seen. And also, Wang Lung Wai loves that fight scene. Did I send you my picture of me with Wang Lung Wai? Uh, uh, Wai ever said to me is, you fight? And I laughed and went, no. <laughs> and I went, not with you. Not with you. <laughs> he seems like a, ma- a mean dude. Uh, no, but, he's uh, Well, no, I mean, you know what I mean. Like, like don't mess with him. Yeah. Yeah. But he loved that movie because he never he doesn't kill anybody in it. And ah, he, he turns out to be one of the heroes. That's true. That's true. Because so usually he, pl- he always plays the heavy or the yeah. main villain or something like that. That is true. Oh. And then, yeah, you know, he says, you know, want to know why I do so many movies? They pay me the equivalent of seventy five dollars a movie. Ooh, yeah. Eh, I guess that's expected, right? Wonderful world. Uh, anyway. Meeting Jet Li. How was yeah. that? I love Jet Li so much. I love Jackie so much. I love Jet Li more than Jackie at this point, because Jackie is so tragic at this point. Okay, why is that? Well, you know, Jackie... Oh, Jackie. Poor Jackie. Jackie, <laughs> is, Jackie is an abandoned child. He's driven by, he's driven by be, having been an abandoned child. But then okay. later on in life, he found out that he was abandoned not by one family, but by two families. Two families, and both families were worse than the last. I mean, they're just, they were just awful, awful, awful people. And so he's like, and then he had the opportunity not to be like that with his own son, and he missed the window of opportunity. And he kind of abandoned his son for the first 12 years of his son's life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no going back from that. Right. But also, all he's ever wanted was a father figure, because his father figures were so awful. Even his teacher at the uh, Peking Opera School, was so mean and vicious and abusive. And so he would he would gravitate, he would project his his maternal his paternal love onto his managers. And unfortunately now his manager is the entire country of China. Oh, I see. Okay. Jet Li is Jet Li had Jet Li been a filmmaker, had Jet Li been Jackie Chan. Jet Li would have become what I believe Bruce Lee would have become. Because Jet Li went through the process. Bruce died before he was able to embrace internal Kung Fu. He was aware of it. He used it. But he was also, as La Calione says, was all about the hurting. He, ha- he was getting to the place. You could see it in his last couple of scripts and proposals. He was getting to the place where he would open the hand and it would all be internal, powering the external. And he would have been incredibly awesome, but he died. Right. And then the rest of the world, as I say, life of Brian did. They stuck him in ice, they stuck him in aspic, and even to this day, Warrior, all the movies, all these things, you know, honoring Bruce Lee uh-huh. are all really insects. They're oh, just wow. like 1970. They're not, they're doing what he did, not what he told them to do. They're not making it their own. They're copying him from 1973. They didn't, they, they didn't let him grow. They didn't let him change. He right. would have changed. He was already changed. 
Right. Jet Li, the thing about Jet Li is Jet Li is a Kung Fu artist. He is not a, he says this. He said look it at to him. me. Look at this guy. This is, look at this guy. Jesus Christ. And he might have been doubled there, too, because during this sequence, he broke his ankle. The first time that he broke a bone. You think that might be uh, the actor that played Clubfoot? I keep, I can't, I keep forgetting Probably. his name. More than likely, yeah. and he's also awesome. That guy's awesome too. Yeah, so it's okay. <laughs> all, guys who know kung fu know kung fu. Yeah, Jet Li knows kung fu, and he also understands that, Jet, that kung fu is community achievement. He tells everybody, "I am not an actor. I'm not a filmmaker. I am not a stuntman. I'm not going to yeah. do anything." Well, why can't you be like Jackie Chan? <laughs> and he basically, he's not going to say this, but you know, are you nuts? <laughs> I mean, he broke his ankle and he went, well, fuck this. Yeah. I, you know, when I need to, and so did Jackie, to be honest. Right. Jackie also didn't do a lot of his jumping sequences. After. Is that why, uh, ever since the injury he had and Rumble in the Bronx, where he injured his foot and then they painted a yeah. sock on him that looked like a sneaker yeah. and he put that on, that yeah. every movie after that, like uh, First Strike, yeah. the kind of all ended, instead of them ending with a big fight scene. They just kind of ended with a big stunt. That was a, it. We had that talk. We had that talk. You know, okay. I, I was at the premiere of uh, The Accidental Spy. And we had that discussion. Okay. And, uh, and basically he said, yeah, I discovered I didn't have to have the big fight at the end. Because he said to me at Chinese New Year, during that year, when I had dinner with him and his whole crew, and then we went to the... Uh, nightclub afterwards, the pink mountain and I had a long talk with him in the corner. He just was going, Rick, I've done everything three times. He wasn't getting any satisfaction anymore. He had, we'll, we'll talk about this on Thursday too. He had, okay. He had revolutionized the Hong Kong film industry. That kind of makes sense. At least four times. At least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he just wanted to do stuff that would entertain him. That's why he did Miracle of Lady, uh, Mr. Canton, Lady Rose, because he wanted to, he wanted to exercise his filmmaking ability. Yeah, but he, okay, he's not that kind of makes a little sense. Pressure now, right? Because he's not, he's not, he's afraid of looking in. He's afraid he's going to find something he doesn't like inside of himself. Pretty right. Sure. So, but I like, I like this photo here with uh, you and Troy. Oh, uh, he's, is he still considered the Steven Spielberg of uh, no, Hong Kong? For the... Again, <laughs> ever since 1997, everybody has to become China. Right. And, and I, I, this this photo, no, I've met him two other times since this photo was taken. And I just, we have this these amazing silent conversations because I'm never going to force him to say anything that could get him into trouble. Because gotcha. let me do my impersonation. Here's a impersonation of a Hong Kong person before 1997. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Here's my impersonation of a Hong Kong person after 1997. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know who's listening. Yeah. Yeah. But you also are fairly guaranteed that someone is. Right. Because just as certain people in Hong Kong would find out things about you, about me, and use them against me, imagine an entire government. Right. Yeah, it's unfortunate. He made some great movies, though. Uh, But I just, yeah, yeah. But I just, 
He's still trying. To, oh, good, good. That's At least he's trying. Conversations I'm having, with him, which is, well, you know, he did the Tiger Mountain movie, and that was the last time I saw him, and we had a talk, and I, okay. I and I sort of just we were sitting next to each other, and every once yeah. in a while, I would just sort of like slip him a note. I would hold the note up to him, and then I would put it down, and then I just watch his face. Right. And he's extremely expressive. Yeah. And I would say. What was that like? And he looked at me. Let me see if I can do his expression. Okay. <laughs> Every day. Wow. What must it like for a creative person to know that not only every day, but every minute of every day. <sighs> end of your movie. That's unfortunate. Every uh, minute of every day from the moment you conceive it to the moment it comes out, if it comes out. Right, right. Rough stuff. But Choi Hark, awesome, awesome. Yeah, film. yeah. Uh, I'm I just, just a quick question. Do you mind if I ask a quick question? Um, no. No? Okay, fuck it. Okay. <laughs> if you do. No, the, the uh, I never really got a, I found out a, a, a. Interrupt me. <laughs> I never really got a clear answer of what happened between him and Jet around Once Upon a Time in China three, oh, yeah. So I'm like, I got the, I got you here. So I just maybe yeah. you can clarify like what exactly yeah, happened. Absolutely clarify. All right. And what happened between him and John Wu? Okay. Joy Hark, Hark has an ego. Oh. He went okay. to film, he went to film school in America, and so he has a taste of that. And also, he also did a couple of movies with um, with John Claude Van Damme. Uh, and so what happens is that what often happened and what happened with him and John Woo was the same thing. Uh, he wanted he wanted to let everybody know who was boss. Okay. And people like Jet Li and John Woo do not appreciate that. Not because they want to be boss, but they want to be boss of their own movie. They want to have the freedom to make the movie that they want to make. John Woo wants to make a John Woo movie, not a Choi Hark movie. And so what happened with both of them is they got to a point where they basically had a little contest. And I believe on the basis of their personality, I don't know this for a fact, but I believe on the basis of the personality that Choi always instituted that, you know, without me, you're nothing. Oh, I see. Okay. And, you know, John, John just went like this. Okay. And went away. And Jet went like this. <laughs> <laughs> right. And Choi Hart tried to do what John Wu did with uh, uh, Better Tomorrow 3, Love and Death in Saigon, and couldn't do what John Wu did. And Jet Li went, I don't need you or anybody. In fact, Jet Li was looking for a way out of Hong Kong. You know, <laughs> the story of that is just amazing. When the when the triad took over Hong Kong cinema, yeah, the triad took over Hong Kong cinema, and there were murders and there were beatings and there was just and Jet Li's manager was was murdered twice. He okay, dead, but he didn't die from that. So the next morning they found him dead in the hospital, and when they Holy did the autopsy, they found out there was a second bullet in his head. Holy shit! Wow. And Yikes. so we went, I got to go back to China. I've got to divorce my wife, my first wife. 
And so we did. And so he was able to come back when all of that had blown over. So they, they had all been looking for this. Oh, my God. And thankfully, and I, uh, China China is now China, but at least they got the tryouts yeah. in the film industry. Oh, and well, they, that's good. But that's because they wanted to get rid of the film industry. So they pretty much close to accomplished. Right. Anyway. So. L- like this picture as well? Oh, Cynthia. Cynthia. Cynthia and I still get along famously. I met her as well. I met her at Dragon Fest. Uh, she's yeah. very nice. I got a picture of her over here. But yeah, very nice. Yeah. And she's awesome. I mean, come on. Yes, Madam is just yeah. badass. And she tells all so the good. stories about, you know, them doubling her with, you know, uh, <laughs> doubling her with Hong Kong men <laughs> with uh, wigs on. Uh, so they, yeah, she, <laughs> Cynthia is just awesome. There, yeah. every, I'm trying to think if there's anybody I don't like. There's a lot of people who don't like me, but I can. <laughs> yeah, I can think of a couple of people I don't like, but then again, they hate me. So. <laughs> you can always tell. Again, Santa, be Santa, be nice. Yeah, be nice. You can always tell, you can always tell the terrible, terrible people because yeah. they're the ones who hate me. And speaking of being nice, how was it meeting Jim Kelly? I've always Jim. Jim. Jim, Jim, Jim. Jim was. Very kind to my face. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then, he started, then he started telling. But again, it could it could have been a, just a fake out. It could have been another. It could have been another nice person, another awful person playing an, an awful game of telephone. Because people would come up to me after that interview and saying, Jim, "Jim doesn't want you to interview him anymore because you know you made it too much about you." <laughs> and I went, "Oh, okay." Huh. He's complete. We had a great time. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. He bought my books, and he didn't have to. I would have given it to him. That I almost said, sounds yeah. fake. That almost sounds like somebody else. Yeah, made, said that. That doesn't sound like he said that. That's I weird. always got along with him, and he yeah. gave he gave me a bottle of Purell. I still have. Nice. Yeah, that doesn't. That sounds like somebody behind the scenes would like didn't they didn't like the interview. That doesn't sound like something Jim would say. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it is. It's kind yeah. of weird. But, you know, Jim, Jim at the time, I mean, that was at the Albuquerque uh, comic show. Yeah. And it was just great. It was terrific. I love the interview. I still enjoy it. But it's awesome that, you know, your your long career of, you know, the, the 70s, 80s, all the way up to now, you've seen how the martial arts genre has had its ups and downs, yeah. but has evolved. But you're also still around to see the new generation as well. Well, these guys, all these guys are awesome. But again, yeah. but again have you seen the movie? This triple was, Threat? Yeah, Triple Threat. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> name, a, name a movie that any... Michael Jai White is the only guy in that group who has made a movie that is worthy of it. Scott Atkins is awesome. Michael Bisping is awesome. Right. Michael Jai White is awesome. His wife is awesome. Yeah, she's legit. I didn't even know that. Now we just have... Oh, and, and I love her because Michael doesn't like horror movies. And he doesn't want to talk about them with her. She loves horror movies. Oh, nice. So awesome. I talked to, talk to him about martial arts. I talked to her. <laughs> nice, nice. And if I get to make my horror movie, I'll have her in it. Which yeah. I, I, I'm curious, which movie do you feel was worthy? The Michael Jai White, which was the one movie you think suited him? Not just one. 
Okay. But guess which? What's his best movie? Come on. I enjoyed Undisputed too, but I actually liked uh, Blood and Bone. I actually Blood enjoyed this. Yeah. Black Dynamite. Oh, that's so good. Oh, see, see, if so I good. said, if I said, Blood and Bone, you said that's a good movie. I said Black Dynamite. You went, oh, that's such a. <laughs> See that? And it's funny. The one thing I also wanted to say, yeah, because you mentioned this to me when you when the crowd cheered at Crouching Tiger, I gave a I gave a talk at, at Walt Disney Animation Studios in 2017. They, they invited me in to give a, give a speech. The speech was Kung Fu in the Art of Screen Action. And what I said, I started the speech. The speech was like an hour. Well, you know me, I don't shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, I started the speech by saying, "You go to you go to a um, tragedy, and you know it's a good tragedy when you cry. You go to a comedy, you know it's a good comedy when you laugh. And you go to a horror movie, you know it's a good horror movie when you scream. What happens when you go to a good action? You lose your shit. Nowadays, (laughs) nowadays, you just sit there and look at your watch. (laughs) All empty movement. Right, right. It's the one thing action can do that no nothing else can do. Make you cheer. Action can make you cheer, and then I detail how you do that. Yeah. Action sequence, and they're still not doing it. They're still making the, and I understand why because they don't want to be like Hong Kong. Because Hong Kong, as Jet Li says, when he was doing his Hong Kong movies, we had one week for the drama, three weeks for the action. Came to America to do movies, we have one week for the action, three weeks for the drama. And I understand you don't want to do three weeks for the action. But if you design the fight scene to elicit cheers, further the characters, to further the plot, not just to be empty or building time, Right. To get the audience to cheer. And all I want people to do that. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to, I'm going to practice what I preach after, if this, if this thing is ever over, if yeah. the quarantine is ever over, I already have plotted it out. I already have the director. I already have the filmmaker. I have the crew. I have the cast. Sweet. We are going to do a bunch of videos, which we're going to put online. I'm not going to try to sell. And then I'm going to, I'm going to also be writing screenplays that if these things work, that I'll be ready to make action movies that will make you cheer. That yes. Will that will not waste your time. Right. That's what my whole career has been building up to. When I started in comic books in 1974, then went to nonfiction books and magazines, then went to novels, then went to movies and television, consultant for Columbo, consultant for Murder, She Wrote, consultant for The Twilight Zone, and now Kung Fu guy. And then I discover real Kung Fu movies because I saw Five Figures of Death. I saw the Bruce Lee's, didn't speak to me. Jackie Chan spoke to me. Got right. the new commentary for that. And for Once Upon a Time in China, which the AV Club said was one of the best audio commentaries of all time. And I was very flattered by that. That's one of my few solo audio commentaries that I like. Most, right. of, most of the time I listen to my, if I listen, if I listen to my audio commentaries, Solo audio commentaries. I just go. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I feel uh, going back to Black Dynamite. I feel like uh, 
Black Dynamite is the last great parody movie. They have not made a good parody movie since, in my opinion. I, I can hear you say that. I'm, I'm trying to remember that I saw one recently, and I'm trying to remember Ooh. that was because I said this is a parody, and it's a brilliant parody. It's a straight-faced parody. But I, oh. Think, I can't remember. All the okay. Pictures. Maybe you let me know later, yeah. How was it meeting uh, Eco and Gareth here? Well, Eco, it's, I've met Eco other places. I also met Tony Jaw other places. Oh, nice. And it's a really good idea to meet them solo. The problem here is that he was with Gareth. Okay. And they're trying to escape racism is extremely difficult. So he, whenever he's with Gareth, everybody looks at Gareth. Because they look at Eco's other movies and look at Gareth's other movies. And they say, again, without you, I'm nothing. Without me, you're nothing. Although Gareth would never say that. Right. Eco kind of like, and also Gareth is fluent in English. Eco isn't. And so Eco was a little uncomfortable, but was Mm -hmm. very happy that I showed him face. Nice. But, you know, but Gareth was more excited. Right. Because I would. I knew British cinema, I knew horror <laughs> cinema, which he was also totally into. Right. And also, I was into Kung Fu, not martial arts. Eco is martial arts. I mean, yeah. really elevated. I mean, he is awesome. Oh, but yeah. Notice in his movies, there's not much room. There's no place for Eco to go. The great thing about Kung Fu is Kung Fu can build. Yeah. Martial arts... The awesome thing about The Night Comes for Us and The Rave 1 and 2 yes. is that who would have thought those movies could build? Because every single fight, there doesn't seem to be any way they could do it better. Right. Okay. But, and again, this is the other thing that just rates on me to even say it. Gareth makes it work. Gareth makes it work. By, by doing what Ang Lee does, by attaching the action to the character. That's why I, I always I love Raid 2 more than Raid 1. And most people like Raid 1 better because it's balls-to-the-wall, wall-to-wall action. What yeah. I love in that. Raid 2 yeah. was an hour of character development. Yeah. A full hour of character development. That's mm-hmm. why it was, it was almost, you know, a third longer right. than Raid 1. Right. And I said, that's what made the fighting all the more powerful. Yeah, I got a poster of Raid 2 up here. Yeah, yeah, just oh, great movies. Yeah. Do you feel um, that yeah. similar to <laughs> you know Jackie Jackie Chan? You know, later in his career, not the, the Rush Hour films were big hits, but like later in his American career, and Donnie Yen's and and Chaoyun Fats and all that. Do you feel Eco is heading gently to a, to an extent? Do you feel Eco is kind of heading that way where they don't know what to do with him? And oh, here in America. He's not heading that way. He's, he's already really, there. He was there from, he was, from the beginning. I mean, okay. What, what, you know, what Weinstein, Howard, uh, Howard Weinstein? Uh, I'm glad I, I forgot his first name. Harvey. What <laughs> yeah. Weinstein did to Hong Kong films, everybody's did. I mean, when I was out in Hollywood working on the Twilight Zone and Virtue Road in Colombo, I would go to cocktail parties with the producers of these movies, and I would hear things that would, would, go, would make me go, oh, my God. All the stories I heard about how hard these people are is true. Twenty percent of Hollywood are, are are incredible geniuses. 
80% are venal, backstabbing, awful human beings who do it because they can. Right. They do it because they hate themselves and they're projecting that hatred onto everybody. And they love putting you under the thumb. They love stabbing you in the back. I got stabbed in the back when I was on the Twilight Zone by a friend. And I went to the producer and I said, what the hell? He had it. He had to do the equivalent of climbing a mountain, swimming an ocean in order to get to a place where he could stab me in the back. And I'm wow. like, why did he do that? He said, because he, because he could, because he saw a place on your back that was open. You know, everybody's back in Hollywood is covered with, with knives. But if there's a spot open, somebody will come running up. And get <laughs> right. And so we still have these a-holes. What's nice is that because of what's happening with the Me Too and the woke era, right, right. being called out. They're finally being called out. But yeah. hopefully the guys who, you know, are still trying to get away with it won't be able to for much longer. Let's go. Thanks to guess who? Marvel. Disney. Star Wars. Those guys trust their people. They don't treat them like shit. And they're doing what no one else will. Giving blacks a chance, giving Asians a chance, giving women a chance and putting them in good movies that aren't purposely sabotaged. Gotcha. And so that's why I'm praying for Sang-Chi. Yeah. Who's the best Kung Fu artist in, in the MCU? Doctor Strange is. Watch Doctor Strange. He does, he does Kung Fu. Everybody else. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Everyone else is doing mystical martial arts. Right. Everyone else in Doctor Strange is doing mystical martial arts. Right. What's the thing that that Doctor Strange says at least three times in that movie? There's got to be a better way. Yeah, yeah. And at the end, he finds the better way. And he says something that every, you can again, you can always tell the Kung Fu fans or the real Kung Fu students watching Doctor Strange, because when he says this line at the very end, they go crazy. And I went crazy when he said it too. And she said, I get, he says to the Mads Mikkelsen character, I got you what you want. You won't like it. <laughs> yeah. That's Kung Fu. Yeah. That's Kung Fu. Everything else yeah. is what So I'm hoping they're smart enough with Shang-Chi. Because unfortunately, Shang-Chi was created with a frozen Bruce Lee as model. Shang-Chi right. ripped off from Bruce Lee in like yeah. So I'm hoping they're able to somehow get out of that. If anybody can do it, Marvel did, but I was still mad at them for not calling me. Yeah, I was. that was my next question because, you know, they, they approached you for Kung Fu Panda. I like this right. photo. is hilarious, by the way. Uh, they approached you for that. And these that movies are a lot of fun. The Kung Fu Panda films are so much fun. Only one in but, three. One in three are actual Kung Fu. Number two is oh. called Martial Arts by Superior. There's no Kung Fu. In oh, okay. I still enjoyed it, though. I thought it was fun. Yeah, and I did, but, too. But I also yeah. knew what the problem was. Gotcha. But yeah, I'm surprised they haven't appro- approached you for Shang Chi. That's that's strange. It's real, again, it's Hollywood because yeah, you know, I've worked on three major motion pictures, all animated, yeah. and their attitude was: Disney found out about me from DreamWorks, Universal, Illumination found out about me from Disney, but nobody crosses the line. So they're not going to go to live action. They're not going to go to Mulan. They're not going to go to Shang-Chi and go, you got to you got to watch this speech that this kid just did at our place. Because right. I'm in their permanent library now. I'm in, a, I'm in their permanent teaching library, that whole speech. Right. 
And I'm going, please send it to them. And they all went, we wish. So it's like when I, when I was trying to find out what happened to Brave, I was trying to find out what happened to Brave, the, the animated movie. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They kept on saying, everybody at, at Walt Disney Animation kept on looking at me with pity and going, that's another building, Rick. Another building. <laughs> Pixar. Don't remind us. That's Pixar. <laughs> And then oh. I was, I was, I mean, I, they listened to me on Raya, but that was long before the new producers and the extra directors came on Raya. And again, I was like, didn't you, didn't you listen to the speech? Because those, those fights in Raya and the Last Dragon were also generic. They're also interchangeable. They were yeah. also empty movement and time frame. And that's what I'm scared about Shang-Chi is the hint of generic. Well, it's not, I already know that's not going to be generic. Okay, good. I've gotten some, what they're going to do, I hope, is what, what, um, yeah, here's the deal. If you remember on the preview, what poster does Shang-Chi have in his apartment? I'd have to watch it again. Yeah, tell me. Oh, poster, and if he had, and if they had the, if they had the, um, do I have it here? Yeah, I do. If, if they had the DVD, I would have loved it. You know, in his in his uh, apartment. Yeah. Because guess who's on the DVD? Oh shit! <laughs> this is the poster in Shang Chi's apartment. Oh, that's a good sign. Right here, you see, you see the name there. Yeah. Yeah. So in nice. Any case, so, and you know what this movie did, which is what I'm hoping, this is, on the basis of seeing that poster in the trailer and also taking, you know, on YouTube, they have a screen crush and new rock stars take the trailer and they, you know, they spend 15 to 30 minutes just taking it apart. Right. So they're able to show you all this stuff. So I could see all the sequels. You've seen Kung Fu Hustle? Love it. Kung Fu Hustle is a history of Hong Kong Kung Fu cinema. And if you watch my interview with Stephen Chow, you can see me wanting to strangle him. And in fact, there's a moment in the interview where, where they're shooting his face, and I ask him a question. By the, end of that, by the end of that interview, I was telling him the answer to the question in the question. Right. Because there are two Stephen Chow. There's Stephen Chow off screen, off camera, and there's Stephen Chow on camera. And off camera, we love each other. He's great. We <laughs> love the stuff. We stay talking. We're having this great stuff. He gives me yeah. He doesn't sign much for anybody, but he signed a shitload of stuff for me. Oh, awesome. And so we get along great. Camera goes on. It's like, I'm going to play with you like a cat with a mouse. Because <laughs> I'm Stephen Chow. Right. And I, I had to live through the triad period of filmmaking. I came up during the triad period. I oh had such homicidal asshole. And now I don't give that camera goes on, I go into Pavlovian. I'm I'm gonna get you. Yeah. And so there's if you watch the end of the interview, I ask him that question, and he does this. He's he starts to answer the question, then he looks down and he looks over, as if looking at his interpreter and trying not to laugh. Because on the other side of the camera, I was leaning into the like And that's when he laughed. 
And at the end of it, I went, you bastard. <laughs> I should have known better because at the beginning of the interview, his assistant, also, you know better because every time I met him, he had a new assistant. Yeah. It's not easy. Um, and she leans in and goes, I think you should know. He's hungover and jet lag. Oh, shit. <laughs> she gave that look, which was, I don't envy you. <laughs> so anyway, thanks. Oh. Hopefully. Okay. Hopefully. And again, the clips they showed. And remember, Marvel is great at not showing you the heart of the movie. They are really good about sh- showing you extraneous stuff. So you're surprised and thrilled and delighted and involved in the action. Right. They don't spoil it. They don't spoil it. Yeah. I'm hoping they did what they're going to do with Stephen Chow did, which is to tell the history of Kung Fu cinema throughout the film. So there'll be there'll be five fingers of death fights. I would love it. I'd 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 go crazy. There'll be Wu Sha fights. Yeah. You can already yeah. see that they have the Wu Sha fighters. Yeah, I did see that. You see the crouching tiger fight. Yeah. Yeah. So if they connect it up, they're smart enough. If they've read my book, <laughs> listen to my speech. Read the book, goddammit. Yeah. Read the book. <laughs> see the document. They must have seen the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. And I know that's how I got the, the I got the Kung Fu Panda job because they came to the Kung Fu Extravaganza at the San Diego Comic Con. Right. Which, which I've been doing with Frank Jang for twenty three years now. All right, so this is a perfect segue here. So Movie Dojo Army chat, prepare thyself. We're going to go back in time right now. Uh, This is when I first met Rick. Yes, it was at Comic-Con. I don't even remember the year, Rick. (laughs) It's been so long. I don't even remember the year, uh, but I was at Comic-Con, and I was like, oh, man, Rick's got a panel. I got to go to it, and it, it was always fun going to your panels. Uh, but I got a chance to meet you just for a few seconds. So I had to hurry up and get a photo. But here you go. We're going back in time. Movie Dojo Army. Here we go. A very young and slimmer uh, sumo. Sumo. Samurai. Here we go. Boom, baby. Hey. Ho, ho. Look at that. Look at tell, that. You can tell how old I am by my beard. <laughs> my, my beard was like the, the rings of a tree. <laughs> but yeah long I, 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 Rick I, I honestly don't even remember the year what year this yeah, was uh, but yeah this is when we this is when we ran into each other and uh, I was like yeah it's cool I got to meet uh, the legend just for just for a minute uh, it's probably when, when your panel when your panel was done I kind of went I think I went up there just to meet you just for a second and get a quick photo with it we went out cool. always yeah but yeah, there you go, chat. You got a young samurai right there. And uh, uh, but between uh, the both of us, I think I've aged the worst. But <laughs> well, what the difference is, you've got to change your name. I got to change my name? you got to be Fat Kung Fu. Oh, Fat I Kung Fu. Samurai. Oh. Samurai don't live long. <laughs> you guys live well, now you're freaking me out now. <laughs> That's it. Fat Kung Fu. That's it. Changing it. Changing it tonight. We'll come up with a good name for you. We'll come up with a different name. Kung Fu. But, uh, uh, well, Samurai is three syllables. So what the hell am I saying? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had that. to show this photo. I, I thought you'd get a kick out of it. And I'm wearing so. my anime shirt. I was wearing an anime shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let's see if uh, movie, yeah. movie Dojo yeah. Army said nice picture. All yeah. right. All right. So we're, we're good, right? I mean, it's almost two hours already. Sure. Yeah. Um, unless you got to go. You got to go. No, I don't have to go. But, you, you know, but again, I will, I will talk for five minutes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we can get close to wrapping it up. But I did have those fan questions from the Movie Dojo oh, Army. Um, uh, since we're getting close to wrapping it up here. Uh, maybe, maybe not. One of your favorite, what's some of your favorite horror films? I see you got a picture here with Rick Baker. Some of your favorite horror and sci-fi. Love a Peter Capaldi, Doctor Who pick right here. Yeah, sci-fi and horror were some of your favorite movies. Well, I started, like I said, at Atlas Comics back in 1973. I was working on um, Movie Monsters magazine. Then I yeah. went to Angoria. Then I went to Famous Monsters of Filmland. I worked there for about a year. I put Tom Savini on the cover. He's always been grateful for me to putting his Friday the 13th makeup nice. on the cover of Famous Monsters. So I love monster movies. I love horror movies. Yes. For the most part, I do not like slasher movies, which is where my my trilogy came from. My, okay. my, my horror trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Fear Itself, was my rewrite of the Halloween, okay. the rewrite of the Omen, and Worst Nightmare was my rewrite of Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't like slasher movies because they're not they don't work for logic. I love the great classics, Frankenstein, right? Night of Frankenstein, Wolfman, Werewolf, Dracula, Christopher Lee's Dracula, yeah, great, yeah, on the modern age. I'm very happy that there are a lot of great filmmakers who will be discovered who are seeing the problems. Well, Jordan Peele, Get Out. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, James Wong, The Conjuring, one and two. These are, I mean, again, for me, it can't be just a great horror movie. It has to be a great movie. And the horror has to be something other than just, we're going to stab somebody out of nowhere, we're going to scare you over here. Did you see Freaky Friday? Not Freaky Friday, Freaky. It was originally called Freaky Friday. It was originally called Freaky Friday the 13th. Right. That's one of my favorite movies. That's my idea of a great horror movie. Because it's all about character. It's all about plot. It's all about... It's also got wit. I mean, I... I check out of a movie when when they lose me with with an illogical I forgot I think maybe it was Spielberg the characters have to act like human beings like recognizable human beings yeah and my attitude is that I if if you want to do a villain then make that guy your asshole don't make the hero the asshole don't make don't make characters stupid the greatest characters in literature and cinema are the smart guys Sherlock Holmes James Bond. These are not people that you identify with. These are people you look up to. Right. And it's like, so those are my favorite in my original, I mean, Horror of Dracula. Yeah. Ride of Frankenstein. I mean, that's so good. That's such a good movie. It just changed me. Just like Creature of the Black Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon is great. Yeah. But then modern era, I pretty much hated everything. <laughs> except, except Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yeah. 
Light me on Amp Street Speed. That was the one where they took they took they they made the logical choice, and they were instructed, according to my information, the filmmakers and producers were instructed never do that again. Why? Because if you make a good movie in a series, that means the next guy has to live up to it, or will lose. Oh, wow! But all these series have to be the same mediocrity. Gotcha. So kind of like kind of like Roger Corman. When Jaws came out, Roger Corman said, well, we're done. <laughs> yeah, but Roger Corman, I love Roger Corman. I yeah, 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 yeah. He's very smart, and yeah. he made fun and good and interesting. Mean, mm-hmm. Bucket of Blood, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, you know, Vincent Price movies, those are good. Yeah, oh, and Vincent is awesome guy. Too. Yeah. He was just super awesome. I, I met him when I was at Pinewood as well. Oh, how cool is that? Nice. Oh. Oh, great. And so erudite and loves music so much. And Christopher, and Christopher Lee in here really good things too because nice. I had the same interest. Right. But I got to meet Peter Cushing. Oh, boy. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, basically, that's my suggestion to everybody watching. Try to design a life where you could go through it going, oh, boy. Oh, boy. And enjoy yeah. everything. And understand that whatever you accomplish will not last. So don't worry about it. Right. You don't have to make the greatest movie ever made. Because even the people who made the greatest movie ever made have been forgotten now. A lot of people now don't know who Laurel and Hardy are. Don't know who Cary Grant was. You know, you know what? Uh, Nightmare on, you know, not, oh, not Nightmare on, what was I going to say? Oh, Bride of Frankenstein? I haven't seen that. What's that Yeah, like? Invisible Man, what's that? You mean the new one? Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about making the greatest ever. Just make stuff. Just do stuff you love. Just do it because you love it. Not yeah. because you're trying to get rich or famous. That will right. come if you make good stuff. Anyway, so horror, yeah, like I said, Jordan Peele, Get Out, Us, I mean, stuff, real meat. You see, I'm not into, you can always tell with me, if it's just eye candy, Rick's not so happy. Okay. If it's just mind candy, Rick is also not as happy as he would be if it's both. I want mind candy and eye candy. I love the way it looks. I want... Even if it's, I mean, even something like Little Shop of Horrors, not brilliantly filmed, but it doesn't matter. It fit its style. Right. It, right. it was consistent. You knew you were mm-hmm. dealing with a director who knew what they were doing and were carrying it along. So I don't mind right. that. So that's my favorite horror at the moment. Okay. How about sci fi? Easy. Come on. I was, I started with sci I read every mystery novel and every science fiction book. Released, not even not even written then, but released from 1965 to 1975, every single one. And so I love science fiction. My, so my first, my first, um, yeah, here we go. My first novel that wasn't my first novel with my name on it was a science fiction novel, and it had a sequel. And that was the original cover of Doomstar, Doomstar number two, brilliantly done. But then it was, I had so much fun with it, and it was good enough to be redone by Warner Books with a new cover, Don Mates. I wish I had bought that cover. And the cleverly titled Return to Doomstar, which was still better. This, the original title of that was The Sound of Silent Thunder. So I love, um, I love science fiction, so I love great science fiction movies. And what's great about great science fiction movies is that they're not great fantasy movies. They're not great sci-fi movies. If they're science fiction, then they're effing science fiction. <laughs> so that means Forbidden Planet, 
Right. One of the greatest one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in the movie theater was at the New York premiere for the public. I didn't go to the screening. I wasn't old enough yet. I wasn't yeah. working with Starlog yet. I went to the premiere of Star Trek in New York in the company of the cast. I've gone to a lot of premieres, but that nice. was after Starlog. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Still my favorite. The opening shot, my father brought me to the Cinerama Theater in, in, on, in Times Square in New York. Broadway doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Front row seats in the balcony. The best place to see a Cinerama movie. And that opening shot with the planets, and I suddenly felt my father's hand on my chest because unbeknownst to me, I was about to fall off the balcony. <laughs> and he went and pushed me back in my seat. So this was, I think, uh, 1968. So I, I was so. I was 15 years old, if I'm doing my math right. Perfect timing. <laughs> and I had, again, I had written, I had read, I had written yet, I had yeah. read a science fiction novel, and these were the greats, the absolute greatest guys, the greatest science fiction writers of all time. Science fiction mystery is over now because they've already it's already all been done and done brilliantly. And I go to the men's room at the end of the movie, and I'm in the urinal. I'm a 15 year old kid in the urinal. There's two guys on the other side, either side of me, and they're, they're friends. And they're talking over me. And they're going, "You understand what's happening today? <laughs> I understand what was that ending all about? What was that all about?" And I'm there. I'm there, just sort of looking down, doing my business, and going. And in my head, I'm going, "I know it's." The question is, should I look up and say, do you want me to tell you what that was? Yeah. Because I completely understood it. I knew exactly what he was doing. And it's the same thing now with, you know, if a science fiction movie, I mean, Pi is a great science fiction movie. There's, I still need uh, to see that one. Oh, again, my, uh, I'm sure I can think of some others. Sure. Star Wars was also an, an amazing time at the movie theater. <sighs> I can Empire imagine. Strikes Back. Oh, Jedi was classic. not. They held up the publication. <laughs> they held up the publication of my sequel to Jeff Rogan's first science fiction film book, so I could do an afterword on Return of the Jedi. Wow! They held up. They held up the printing of it. And if you if I, if you read my afterward, you'll see that I had a problem, and <laughs> I spent years finding out why I had a problem. Yeah, and it also explains the prequels. Let's hear it, <laughs> if you don't mind. Not at all. After the reaction to Star Wars, George Lucas has never again directed or made a knowingly involving movie. All the emotions are on the surface. It's just, I mean, I, I have a friend who knew, matter of fact, a friend who was supposed to be on one of your verses and still may be sometime, sometime. Okay. Who um, knew, um, what's her name? The one who played uh, Queen Amidala. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. He knew yeah. her. And I said, could you ask her what, George Lucas's directions were. Ask her if he jacked webbed it. Because Jack Webb on Dragnet would always tell the actors go faster, go slower. And then 
his main his main direction was just say the words. And that's what George Lucas did. Go faster, go slower, just say the words. Right. You saw great actors in those prequels, none of whom were doing a good acting job, because George wasn't letting them. Oh, probably I have that great story. Probably sitting yeah. there just drinking his coffee. <laughs> no, no. He, was, he wanted to make the movies because he wanted to do his technical stuff. Right. But he was... I mean, there was a period of time when Stephen King was being stalked by five different people at the same time. And I had been told things about that George was so frightened or upset by what his children were going through that either knowingly or subconsciously, this is my theory on the basis of his work, decided I will never make an emotionally involving movie again. Even Red Tails. Wow. That's not a movie. I don't know if he can anymore. However, thanks to Filoni and Favreau, who are good worshippers, they may be able to bring him back in life. And his kids are grown up now. He may not, he may... He may be old enough, mature enough, and wise enough now to embrace his legacy. Yeah. And do the kind of job that Filoni and Favreau are doing. Yeah, I heard he was on the set of The Mandalorian, and I heard he, he loved it. Like, I heard he really liked it, you know. <laughs> there's nothing I like, there's nothing like a, I like better than a happy ending. Yeah. And I wish everybody, Jackie, George, everybody, me especially, me especially, I want a happy ending. So... There you go. So in any case, science fiction, good science fiction. I'm trying to remember the problem with, I mean, Blade Runner. I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's a very good movie. I still I still respect it, and I love the challenge. Yeah. Alien, was, Alien was a great science fiction horror movie. Yes. All the Alien movies that have followed it have been abominable as far as I'm concerned. Oh, really? Even Alien. Aliens? Really? No, excuse me. I'm absolutely wrong. Aliens is awesome. Oh, okay. <laughs> Aliens is absolutely awesome. Right, right. The greatest. I like it more than Alien. Because Alien is too derivative. Of, it came from outer space for me. Right. It was, um, although I loved it. Yeah. But, uh, Aliens is just awesome. Terminator is awesome. Terminator yeah. 2 is awesome. The follow-ups, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, here's the deal. I will say this everybody and everybody knows the answer you ask me any qualitative question what's your favorite food what's your favorite movie what's your favorite clothes what's your favorite theater whatever what's your favorite book my answer is always the same great I want great I like good I like okay I can live with fine I like terrible because that's fun but what I really (laughs) love is great I've had great Chinese food. I've had really terrible Chinese food. Right. Great. So when they say, is Chinese food your favorite? I'm going, great Chinese food. And I go, <laughs> no, no, great food. Because I also learned this, just like Kung Fu. All martial arts, all life, is the human body, the human mind, the world around it. The rest is money and ego. True of food, too. True of food. Took me years to learn to cook for myself because I love what I cook. Yeah. I swore when I turned 60, I would never waste a meal again. I would never have a bad meal again. In order to do that, especially now with COVID, I had to learn. Yeah. So now, every day I just 
it's just such a wonderful feeling. Nice. I watch Netflix during my mm-hmm. two meals of the day, and it's just this great feeling at the end of the meal going, oh, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, no more Max Payne and uh, the Hitman. <laughs> no, we did that on well, I again, I've, I've watched some bad movies. I'm doing my my podcast. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, so you have to watch those. Yeah, for reference. My April showers of action episode. Right. So I watched. I watched Swordsman. Well, Swordsman was the last episode. I watched um, Nobody, which was awesome. Yeah. And I watched Mortal Kombat. Not so awesome. Swordsman. Yeah. So anyway, so I'll be, I'll be talking, and also the Kung Fu TV show versus the uh, Falcon and the. Uh, yeah, t- tomorrow tomorrow's going to be interesting. Uh, if you if you guys, I'm, I know you're going to join uh, Chat Movie Dojo Army. Don't forget tomorrow. It's going to be a little bit early, four four thirty p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we're going to have a d- Mortal Kombat discussion panel. We're going to talk about the new movie, but it's going to be fun because we have <laughs> some the original actors from the video game are actually going to be on the panel with me. Uh, so I've already ranted about the movie and I already talked about the positives and it's negatives. It's their time to shine, but you know, Samurai will jump in a little bit, but you guys have to show up tomorrow cause it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Rick, it's always amazing and awesome to have you here on the channel. Uh, anytime, anytime you want to come back. Well, Thursday, I'm just saying if there's any other, other any other time you just want to, Hey, let's talk about just this one movie. We'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make a podcast out of it. And also, if the audience wants to ask me questions, you can do a whole episode of just answering those questions. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun, too. Stay on track. (laughs) I know there are other fan questions here, but it's fine. We can save that for next time. How many Uh, do you got? How many do you got? uh, I'll pick pick the two most interesting. We'll do three here. Okay. Favorite, some of your favorite superhero movies. The Michael Keaton Batman. Okay. Every Marvel, every every MCU, Marvel Studios. I had to choose. Okay. Uh, I liked Blade, but Marvel Studios, um, not the non-Marvel Studios, the official MCU. Mm-hmm. Not not Iron Man, was it three? Not Thor two. Right. There's some that are not but the worst, but the bunch, you know, least favorite. Yeah. That bunch from Iron Man to Avengers Endgame. Yeah. I am so, I think I may have said this to you before, but it's worth repeating. I am, And I saw the Oscars the other night. And again, I am so royally pissed at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts of Science. They gave, I did the, didn't I do this little speech for you at one point? Back in the day, they gave Walt Disney an Oscar and seven little Oscars for his accomplishment with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. This was like 1937. No, he didn't tell me this. <laughs> Shirley Temple presented Walt Disney at the Oscar ceremony, an Oscar, and it had seven little Oscars, to acknowledge his unprecedented accomplishment right. in cinema. All these years later, Marvel Studios does an even more unprecedented unique achievement in the history of cinema by making 22 interlocking movies that built on each other and ended on a film that for a while was the highest grossing film in history, but more importantly, 
was an existing manifestation of the reason why the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences exists. It showed to an entire generation the benefit of going to a movie theater because Avengers Endgame didn't just make people cry, didn't just make people laugh, didn't make people just cheer. It did all three as one multiple times. I went to see it four times at the theater, went to different theaters at different times. And the audience, there are different times that different people would react. But the yeah. highlights, the entire audience reacted the exact same way at the exact same time for tragedy, for comedy, and for action. Right. right. And the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences doesn't even fucking mention it. Not only do they not give them an Oscar, which they richly deserve, they should have yeah. given them 22 fucking Oscars. <laughs> they don't even yeah. mention it. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm Fuck not them. surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just popcorn throwaway stuff. You know, it's funny. It's like how many big name Hollywood directors and producers were like, oh, it's just a fad. It's like the Western. It'll go away, which may happen in the future. You never know, but you still shouldn't shit on what's been very well. That shouldn't have not worked. This this shouldn't have worked. You shouldn't shit on what is great. Right. If they had watched them, they would have known that. But they took their attitude. They caught Mm -hmm. their attitude. I mean, at least back in 47, they knew what Disney had done. And right. also, yeah, I mean, I, I feel terrible for Kevin Feige. Or right. Feige, however you pronounce his name. Is yeah, Kevin Feige. Feige. Yeah. And he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And they know what they're doing. And yeah. Fuck you, everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, that answers the question. That, that answers like, the question. All right, I, one last fun one, and then we'll wrap it up. This one's just for fun. If you were, Rick, if you were stuck on an island... And you only had access to the Shaw Brother filmography or the Golden Harvest filmography. Which one would you choose? Originally, I was going to spit in your face. Because <laughs> originally it was, you know, I, I was going to do what I have legitimately done seriously to other people, which is I don't answer science fiction questions. I don't answer fantasy questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you made it easy for me. Question: What I would do? Shaw Brothers. Okay. Okay. Not for any other reason than Lockhart Young. Yeah. Yeah. Lockhart Young, Jackie Chan, I love, and I see new things in Sammo, I love, uh, and there are other. But oh, oh, look at that, Sammo! Me and Sammo, right there, baby. Yeah. Do I have to pull out my? Half a dozen pictures. Of uh, next time we'll do we'll do a Samo panel. We'll talk about his movies for another 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 podcast. But yeah, I met him down in Hollywood. They re-released Pedicab Driver there, so it was nice oh, yeah. to see that in theater. And I, I ran into Benny the Jet or Kitas. But yeah, I had a I had a feeling uh, you, you would probably pick Shaw Brothers because of La Carl Young because he's just yeah. he's just the greatest kung fu. Can, and also, I could watch yeah. these things and see something new each time. And now. Perfect segue, because I'm good with that sometimes. I got you a little something, Rick, because you've been uh, great on the channel, and you've been a guest, and just been showing up. I got you a little little something. Well, first, 
you know, had to buy the book. Had to show support. Had to buy the book. Movie Dojo, make sure you buy it. But and now, now you got to read Oh, no, I'm going to read it. <laughs> but segue, I got you a little extra something. Boom, Shaw Brother oh! Mask. Oh! <laughs> to protect you, use that kung fu to protect yourself from the koof. <laughs> so I get later. Later, give me your address. Yeah, later, send me an address to send it. <laughs> I had to get that for you. I saw it. I was like, I gotta buy that for Rick, and he's been great on the channel. So, uh, but yeah, we're having we had a blast tonight, uh, and it's it's always great. Having you on here and talking movies and getting into the deep, real, serious stories, too. It's just like, oof. Didn't even know all this was happening behind the scenes. But uh, it's always great to have you here. And, uh, you know, I will see you Thursday versus. So don't forget, Chat Movie Dojo Army Police Story versus Project A this Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. The whole Marvel Avenger, Kung Fu Avengers will be there. <laughs> That's right. The gang, the band is back together. Yes, so yes. Doing, and also, I'll be doing another fashion show. <laughs> oh my God. It's fun. I, I changed my shirts to depending on yeah. the film. It's it, it's pretty. It's it's it's. <laughs> you catch me off guard with those, but those are hilarious. Those are like you got, I, I got to find out where you get these awesome shirts. Hopefully, they come in size six uh, X. Otherwise. <laughs> If you if you you have to take all the money they're doing on the uh, construction on your house, because <laughs> I will give That's you it. a place to do it. I'll give you a place to do it. You can, you know. Okay. And, and I, oh yeah, you you'll be in great shape. Nice, okay. nice. All right, Rick, Rick. Thank you. There you go. You learned. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure. Thanks again for all you badasses watching. Don't forget tonight, um, excuse me, tomorrow, 4.30 Pacific Time, Mortal Kombat panel. We're going to have fun, laugh, scream, all that good stuff with the original Mortal Kombat actors that will be with us. And then Thursday as well. We might have a special guest on Friday. I'm working on it. Uh, we will we'll stay tuned. So see you badasses next time. Keep watching movies and enjoy life. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>